The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Benched with Bubba. This is episode 15. Um, I'll be joined tonight by... Uh, DFS Golf Gods. You can find him uh, on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. You can find him uh, doing some contributions at the Sports DGNs with our weekly DFS Golf Picks. He's been doing it for almost a year now, getting close to a year, pretty sure about that, if not a little over a year. Uh, he's been doing very well at that. Um, he's had some big wins there. And if you didn't notice my Twitter feed yesterday, had a big win in the NFL Playoff DFS as well. Um, we're going to preview the 2017 PGA season as a whole, talk a little DFS, recaps in 2016. But without further ado, how are you doing tonight, Jesse? Doing well, man. Doing well. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's always a good time to hang out and talk about this stuff. And so thanks for having me. You doing all right? Yep, I'm doing good. Um, for those of you that uh, have listened before, uh, Jesse was on a while back, previewed the Ryder Cup. It was a really good preview. And uh, those of you that listened to it and watched the Ryder Cup, one of the best things I've seen on TV in a long time, let alone golf-wise in a long time, just sports in general. Uh, I know Jesse loved it. And um, we'll get into that. Uh, recapping the 2016 season, some of the big highs and lows and, you know, you, one of the things you're talking about is uh, the future of golf. Um, what, what, are you, what are you looking at when you say the future of golf is in good hands? You got, you know, you got all these young guys in their early 20s just starting out and on the actual PGA Tour who are playing insane level golf week in and week out. And uh, so they'll be around for the next, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, with more guys coming along, uh, you know, obviously as they get older or whatever. But And, and so you, you, we're just going to be able to watch good golf and highly competitive um, golf for a long time. And I'm, I'm just really excited about that, being able to see these guys continue to win and do it in impressive fashion as well. Yeah, and it's a good point. If people, uh, I know most probably didn't watch it yesterday with playoff football on and everything, but if anybody was able to watch the uh, Tournament of Champions in Hawaii, uh, Justin Thomas, he's just 23, I believe. Um, right. He just won his second tournament of this year alone, let alone his third title already. So there's one of your young guns. He's really good friends with Jordan Spieth, Smiley <laughs> Kaufman, those guys. These are the guys you're talking about. We're going to talk about some of them later in the podcast, but that's. Uh, 
it's a great point. And as you said, it's the tiger effect. It's uh, when tiger was coming up, everyone said it brought kids to golf. Well, these are those kids now. And they're, uh, these are all the kids uh, dads got into mm-hmm. it then especially too. And then they started watching it and playing it and so on and so forth. I mean, when you look at somebody like Justin Thomas, you got Hideki Matsuyama. I know you uh, you saw that tweet that somebody put out where he, in his last like eight, he's won six and finished second twice to to JT. Um, I mean, it's just it's it's incredible to play at that level every single week and travel around as much as these guys do too. Is you know, Hideki's won all over the world. Justin's won at this point in the in this year twice in two different countries and on two different you know quote-unquote continents, I guess, I don't know if you consider Hawaii part of whatever continent, but one way or the other, out in the middle of an ocean and on on another continent. Um, And then, of course, you know, you've got guys like, uh, you know, the uh, the older guys even who you you consider, who you look at Ricky Fowler, 28 years old, you call him an older guy, Um, you know, DJ, um, and, and they're still really, really young and not even into their prime golf yet. So it's it's gonna be really, really fun to watch. No, it's very, very true. And uh kind of leads you into the next point here. One of the big, big parts. I already mentioned it, now we'll talk about it. One of the biggest highs of the uh the year was the Ryder Cup. And one of the best parts about the Ryder Cup is the USA won for the first time in years. B a lot of it was the youth that won it for the US. Um, kind of what was your what was your feelings and takeaways from that Ryder Cup? Just the uh the amount of anticipation going into it, you know, I mean, it, it only happens, you know, once every two years. And it's one of those things that you kind of forget about how big it is until it comes back around. And then all the kind of smack talking starts going on. And then you have guys like Patrick Reed who just for some reason come at a high level that they can't play at at any other time during the year. And, you know, he comes out and, and, and plays just some incredible golf. You know, the other day, whenever, we were doing that. Uh, we did that little write up, or you know, kind of year end write up for for the sportsdigens.com. And I, I went back and watched that whole entire match. Um, you could do it. You can do it pretty quickly on YouTube. It's only like ten minutes to watch every shot from Rory and, and Patrick Reed, and it was just an incredible, incredible uh, day that Sunday. But the whole week, you know, I mean, my wife does not watch sports. Period, unless it's Kentucky basketball. Um, and unless it's a big game and they're not going to kill somebody. And so to get her to watch that without me even being in the house, you know, you know, it's something big, you know, it's something cool and something fun to watch. So that was, that's gotta be, when I look back on 2016 and, you know, 20 years, I'm not going to really remember probably, you know, DJ winning the uh, U S open or, you know, speech collapse of the masters. I'm going to look back on it and say, you know, that Ryder cup was epic. Oh yeah, no, and that's the thing is the Ryder Cup takes the cake on the the PGA 2016, and you just said it. Yeah. DJ finally finally broke out of his funk that people thought he might never break yeah. out of. He wins his major. Right. Spieth has Spieth right. has one of the biggest Roy McIlroy ten cup moments you'll ever see <laughs> in a major. Yeah. Um, it was the, something you never thought you'd ever see from Jordan Spieth. Um, and then you have at the Open Championship Stenson and Mickelson with one of the best duels you'll ever see. Yeah, and for a guy point. like me on the West, Co- for a guy like me on the West Coast, I missed most of it unless I set my alarm, which I do for the Open because I really enjoy watching it. But that was amazing golf. But like you said, 
all that overshadows, but you did want to talk about the majors. Those were some great majors that did take place this year. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, the, you know, the, the, they're all the, – all, all four of them. I mean, the Jimmy Walker win, you know, that's cool for Jimmy. Um, you know, but it's not something that was for me like, oh, gosh. You know, the, the, the Masters, it started out just insane with, you know, Jordan going in five-shot lead and blowing it on 12. And then also, too, that, that hole in, the hole-in-ones on 16 that day on Sunday – Including the one where uh, uh, Louis stays and hits it, and it, it kicks off of JB Holmes's ball and goes in the hole. And then you go into the U.S. Open where DJ, you know, the U.S. USGA wants to be a bunch of a holes and try to penalize him for them having the most insanely fast greens in the history of mankind, and him still winning by I think it was three or four shots. And and making that shot on eighteen, you know, he hits it, stripes it down the middle with all the pressure, and then knocks it up there to six foot, makes the makes the putt for birdie to just to cap it off. And then, of course, like you said, the the British Open that was, I mean, those guys just ran away from everybody else and and really dueled down the stretch. And it was it was I mean, just it was an amazing year of golf for to for people to actually get into it and want to watch and and be interested in it. And I think it'll continue to to get better, you know, as we go along here. Okay, here's here's a side note, real quick, and like you, you just said, people more people got into it this year. Do you think it was just because of the quality of the golf, or do you think that the level that DFS has expanded in golf has had something to do with the viewership? Uh, no doubt about it. DraftKings has the PGA Tour's yeah. viewership. You know, I was just a few minutes ago. I was looking on on Twitter and. They, uh, they they were talking about something about you know PGA Tour Live and it's coming back this week, um, which is like a, it's like five bucks a month and you get to watch extra golf on Thursdays and Fridays that normally wouldn't air that doesn't air it's in the mornings, and um, somebody was you know saying how much do you think you know this is because you know how many how many subscribers are because of the, because they play DFS and I would say it's got to be ninety percent I mean yes there's some hardcore golf fans out there that want to watch golf. But if I'm not playing DFS on Thursday and Friday morning, you know, at uh, the Safeway Open or whatever, you know, golf course you're looking at, you know, I mean, unless it's a huge Masters for the U.S. Open or something like that, obviously a totally different story. But week in and week out, and I I don't know what their ratings have been like, um, but I know more people watch golf now than, you know, ever before definitely makes me want to tune in on Sunday afternoon, you know, during the summertime when there's nothing else going on except for maybe a baseball game or something. Yeah. And I, I, I had a feeling that was the way it was. I know you got your hand on the pulse a little more. So I wanted to get your two cents on that one, but definitely I, I can see it on the Twitter and other people I talk to. It's way more involved than it ever has been. I mean, and dude, just uh, look at the junkies league this year. My goodness. What do you go from like thirty to one hundred and six? Twenty-eight to one hundred and six. That's just crazy. Yeah, and we we probably could would add more, but I mean, we not we're of course we're not really pushing it or whatever. But one way or the other, I mean, that that DraftKings realizes this this year too, because all those contests this past week filled so quick, and I, and I think that they will they'll, they'll get they'll get it better. But you know, with with NFL winding down now, now is prime time to start getting the golf and figuring out what's going on. If you're brand new to it, this is the time to to definitely figure out what's what's going on in the golf world. 
Okay, now wrapping up 2016, the lows of the year, and I remember this big time early in the season especially, the weather was a major factor. Oh, dude, it's, uh, it's, it's the worst. It's the worst. Not that we can do about it. Right. Well, no, you but uh, it's, it's just it pain just... All, all, the way, all the way around because you know you get you get a delay for three or four hours and you know if you're thinking like me you know you, you're wanting that to, to not be that long but obviously you know there's there's literally nothing that we can do about it but you know the great thing about golf is 99 percent of the time they don't cancel anything so it's not like a baseball game it's not like um you know anything else but of course it depends, you know, like the Euro tour canceled one round because of fog and, and the, and the PGA tour last year canceled one round because it just, it just rained, but hopefully, you know, we'll be able to avoid that this year, but I'd say chances are less than average coming up here in the spring. Yeah. We'll always run into some problems, but that's, it's the way it works, but let's get into that 2017 season. It is here and it's, uh, it's already starting out strong. I got the Sony Open this weekend, the first cut event of the season. But uh, let's get into some things. Um, so far, we're saying uh, no new changes to DraftKings, but you're thinking um, if the FanDuel merger changes, do you think there's going to be any change? Have you heard of anything? Well, so the only thing I've seen is FanDuel put out kind of a, a feeler for what people would be interested in in getting, I guess, maybe potentially golf on their side. And this was pre-even word of merger coming out with DraftKings. So they were talking about maybe doing like um, four golfers in the PGA Tour and two on the Euro Tour um, or, you know, three and, you know, two with a flex or something like that along those lines. And, I mean, in my opinion, I, I wouldn't like that. I don't play on FanDuel for the very reason I don't have golf mostly. Um, I also just don't like their setup, but I don't like overall that, you know, that it could change. I think DraftKings, one thing DraftKings, in my opinion, can do better is to, to, is to include the team events. So they're going to, you know, we may talk about this here in a little bit. There's going to be a team event this year. There's also going to be the president's cup. And, and traditionally they've never had anything at all with, with any kind of match play. And I think that's the only thing that they can really do better. But other than that, I wouldn't want any changes, but I haven't heard of anything happening yet. And of course that, that merger has not, you know, actually happened yet. So who knows? Okay. One of the big changes coming into the season is Nike did away with their equipment and then they, they changed their clothes. They have Jason day wearing medium t-shirts. not <laughs> collars. Um, so they spent all their money from their equipment on clothes and I don't know. It looks weird. That's the thing. Did you see him on Thursday? Yeah, very awesome. I, I just, I don't know. Like, they're wanting to make him into like, like he can pull that off because that's just Ricky. Ricky just does that. He just he wears the crazy stuff. I get it. That's fine. That's Ricky. But like, that's not Jason Day. That's not how Jason no, Day has ever true. been. He's more of a clean cut, going to work kind of guy. Like, I'm not trying to stand out. I'm just trying to go in here and go as low as possible. And it just it was just so odd to me the way and I hate I can't stand their no collar shirts I just I can't deal with it I'll never buy one. Um, yeah, it really I guess it's kind of a side note here, but it really confuses me with the PGA Tour. They don't they they, they have a hard hard stance on no shorts, yet you can wear a collarless shirt. Right, and that just right. makes no sense yeah. to me at all. 
I mean, I guess it has a collar, but it's like a half collar. It's just weird. It's just odd to me. And then day, just the, the colors they had on day, and then the, the like the the tighter pants. Like I get, you know, wanting to be a little bit more, uh, you know, whatever form fitting. I don't know whatever you want to call it, but just the way that some of them are now, it's just I don't. Uh, uh, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. But whatever. That day is going to play. He's, he's going to wear Nike clothes. So I guess they're going to stay in that game, and then they're just not going to. They're not going to have any equipment anymore. So no more clubs, no no more balls, drivers, the whole nine yards. They're they're out of it. And that's the big thing is a lot of the guys were using the clubs. So I'll let you go over some of the changes by some of the big guys here. What what changes are being made with your their equipment? Yeah, obviously Rory's the next big one besides Day. Um, but Day's Day's still playing tailor made clubs. He's he's been a he was an Adidas guy, so he's still tailor made. Um, but anyways, Rory is going from the Nike everything, 100% Nike, kind of like Tiger used to be, to he's playing with uh, probably Callaway clubs from what I've heard and then going to the Titleist Pro V1 golf ball, which um, is pretty similar to the to the Nike ball that he played with. So as far as the ball goes, I don't know. That's I think it's kind of a wash with the, with the Callaway clubs. I've heard a lot of guys are going to these Callaway clubs, so that might be the next new, the next best new thing or whatever. Um, and then you've guys, you've got guys like Kepka, who's probably gonna go tailor made. He's been going to the, he's been hitting the, the, the M2 driver. Um, no word on his irons. Vegas, you know, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything at all about Vegas. When, but I saw him play in Quilla Hollow back in, it was, I guess, last springish. He was still playing the, the Nike irons. So I don't know. And one way or the other. They didn't work this past weekend. I don't know if you played them or not, but yeah, not and then um, and then Fino is kind of just going through some different changes. The, the big issue with anytime you, you're going through a change in clubs, equipment, whatever, it takes getting used to because um, you know I used to be of the uh, ideal. I don't know the the thought process. One of the in the camp of the clubs don't matter until I got new clubs and they 100% matter. Um, everything, especially when you're as fine as these guys are as far as swing um, and as far as mental game, you know, you have to get used to some clubs. You have to get used to a different ball and the way it reacts and that kind of thing. So, you know, there might be some if, – if Vegas is doing different things, he might struggle for a while. If Finau is is experiencing or experimenting with some different things, he might struggle for a while until they get with something and stick with it. You know, a guy like Berger, he wasn't a Nike guy, um, but he switched to Callaway back in the fall. And, you know, he played all right this past weekend. I think he finished about mid-pack. Um, but, you know, it's all about just getting used to it. So these guys are, are guys I'm going to keep an eye on because, that you know, Finau, Vegas, Kepka, of course, Rory and Day are guys that I'm lo- always looking at every week just about because they're um, – and so to watch them and, and to figure out where they're going and, and how long it takes them to get used to it, that's going to be key this year um, to, to figure out. Now, Rory's playing this weekend. Day's already played, obviously. He, he played okay this weekend. But, you know, he, he's, ta- he's getting he, – he has to get used to that stuff, you know, the different clubs. I watched one shot he hit um, this past weekend, and, I mean, he just airmailed the green. 
And when you switch clubs, those are the types of things that happen to you. No, definitely. Definitely can understand that from switching clubs in the past. Things, the sweet spots, the feel, all things are different until you get used to that again. Ball path, how far it goes, the whole nine yards. It's, it's just, yeah. it just takes getting used to. And, you know, so you have to play. You have to play. And these guys are obviously going to play, so they're going to do a little bit quicker than you and I would. But definitely when we're wagering on them, if we're putting any money on them, that's something we, we really want to consider. For sure. Let's look at the uh, the four majors, 2017. You know, we got the Masters, the o- the U.S. Open, the Open Championship, the PGA. Uh, we'll start with the Masters, always at Augusta in Augusta, Georgia. Um, Spieth, we already talked about his disaster last year, almost went back-to-back. Uh, what are you looking at? So what stands out for you this year at the Masters? You know, how does, how does Spieth bounce back? The first time he steps up to 12 there, is he able to, you know, knock it on the green? Um you know, I've, I've got a buddy who goes down there just about every year. And, uh, one of his dad, uh, or his dad, one of his dad, his dad works it every year. So, uh, I'm gonna try to see if I can't sneak a little inside knowledge on, on what, uh, speed's looking like when he gets down there. Cause it's, you know, when you're coming back from something like that, a complete and utter total collapse like that, that's a mental hurdle to get over. Now, if anybody can do it, I think Jordan can, I don't think he's mentally incompetent at all whatsoever, but, it's it's something that in sports, you know, you have to deal with, whether it's an injury or, you know, a complete collapse. Um, and so it's it's gonna be really interesting for me to to see how you know how he how he bounces back from that this year. And then, you know, the other guys that I always keep an eye on are just the guys from the south. You know, you got guys like Smiley, he played really, really well there last year. Um and, you know, like guys like Kevin Kisner, and there's a bunch of other guys from, you know, down there in the south area who played at maybe an SEC school or something, it means more to them because it's it's kind of like folklore when you, you know, Augusta National is the mecca of golf. So especially in the South, you know, it's something that is always in these guys' mind and that's something they're always playing for and towards. Well, you said, like you said with speed, it's a big mental uh, deal. If, if people have never played golf before and you're listening to this podcast – Golf is literally one of the most mental games you will ever play. Um, I golf with a bunch of guys. Trust me, I'm I'm not I'm a s- slapper at best. But um, and and Jess, Jesse's a really good player, way better than me. But um, the guys I play with, I watch. I can watch them have a good hole. That first bad shot, the entire round unravels because it becomes a mental mind game, and they can never get out of it. Yeah. And that's the difference between the good and the bad. This it is one of the worst mental games you can ever play. So it's oh, a yes. very, very, it's a very, very good point with Spieth. But I agree. I think he is definitely strong enough to uh, make that happen. Most definitely. You know, I mean, <laughs> if, if if you're in a tournament setting like that and you and you jack something up, I played in many. I played in one this year. I was, I was, every now and again, I would literally shank my iron shots. And it got in my head so bad that I was pulling everything. And so when when you get that in your mind, it's just so hard to it's so hard to get out. You know, it's just so hard to get out of that mind frame. But you know, if anybody can, it's these guys. You know, these guys are the cream of the crop. Yep. So they're there for a reason. Exactly. It takes us to the U.S. Open, Aaron Hills Golf Course in Aaron, Wisconsin. Um, they always make it a point, like you said, the USGA. Let's make it as hard as humanly possible. All the different <laughs> types of roughs, all the tough greens. What can we do? They at least change the role for DJ um, yeah. green for the putting and moving the ball and blah, blah, blah. 
Um, does DJ repeat? We'll see. Uh, what are you hearing about the course? What are you looking for there? Well, I mean, you know, more than anything else, I haven't looked much at Aaron Hill's golf uh, course, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure that it'll, it'll be hard. Um, you know, obviously weather, it, you know, it's, I think in June ish, let me see exactly when it is. It, you know, is always a factor. Yeah, it's June 15th through the 18th. So that's, it's going to be hot. Um, but at the same time, you know, will it, will, how hard will it be? You know, can they make it as hard as last year's golf course was? Um, and then obviously looking at Dustin Johnson, is he able to, is he able to come back in? Cause this, these types of golf courses, um, when they're really, really hard, they really bring out the very best golfers in the world. So, and the other, the other thing, you know, is I'm looking at some Euro guys, they're always underpriced on DraftKings. Um, coming into these tournaments because they've not been playing in as big tournaments. So, you know, can some of these Euro guys, you know, come back and compete? Like uh, I think it was Shane Lowry last year. Um, and, you know, a few others are, are typically in the mix, but that'll be something to keep an eye on for me is, you know, what, what kind of form are the Euro guys in? Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, we'll move on to the open championship. It used to be called the British open, but now the open championship, Royal Birkdale, Southport, Merseyside, England. Um, like you said, weather is always a disaster there. You never know if it's going to be windy, rainy. You might get a beautiful two hours for some golfers, miserable for the rest. This is one of the big, big tournaments to see when your guys tee off and check the weather because it changes all the time. Um, I, I, the name Royal Birkdale sounds very familiar to me, but I'm not 100% sure on the course but I'll watch regardless um, anything on the open championship this year. Yeah. You know, world, world Birkdale, it's probably like 5,000 years old or something. Um, it's probably where the golf was born. I don't know. They'll tell us about it whenever the, uh, the TV comes around. And so, it, but you know, weather, like you said, you know, is it going to be rainy? Is it going to be windy? Um, and then just looking at Stinson again, you know, it seems to, Last year, him and Phil had that duel like we already talked about, but, you know, can can he bounce back and repeat? And and also, Phil, it always seems like Phil is always playing well around that time. And so can he, you know, can he still compete? Uh, that'd be something else just for 2017 in general, but for the majors, you know, is he still able to compete at uh, at the Open Championship? This year, there is a, there's a lot. There's five weeks between the – six weeks between the U.S. Open – Six weeks in the U.S. Open and the Open Championship. Last year there was just one week, so it was a, a because of the Ryder Cup or because of, of the Olympics. That's what it was. And uh, so, anyways, can we, um, you know, can can Stinson and, and Phil can can they bounce back? And then obviously Euro guys, like I said, they're always underpriced on DraftKings. So keeping an eye on those guys um, is especially around that time is vitally important. Well, yeah, and obviously they have kind of a no real pun intended a home field advantage in this tournament. Wow, um, yeah. yeah, and they always they always show up on that leaderboard in that tournament, so definitely worth checking out there. Let's go to the PGA Championship. Uh, used to be the home of the Wells Fargo Invitational, I believe. Now it, the Quail Hollow Club in Charlotte, North Carolina, will get the PGA Championship this year. One of the sports DJs members, Mister at Kevin's Delight. Used to be one of the club pros there. He has moved on to a different golf course, but still, of course, has those connections to hopefully 
take care of some sports teachers members. But most importantly, I've heard they are lengthening the crap out of this golf course. Yeah, uh, and it was long. Yeah, it was, it was long. crazy. Yeah. What What do you uh, got on this one? I was down there last year for the the for the what what what, you, what was it last year the. I think it was the Wells Fargo or something. Fargo. That's exactly right. Yeah, Wells Fargo. I was down there last year for the Wells Fargo Championship, and I was I was impressed with how good a shape that golf course was in at that point. So, you know, them closing it down, I'm sure, for a couple months or however long they're going to close it down to get ready for the PGA Championship is just going to be completely immaculate. It's also a great place to watch golf if you're in the area, if you're around Charlotte, if you're within driving distance of Charlotte. It's a it's a good place. It's not super hilly at all whatsoever, um, and they have it set up where there are hills and stuff around the greens and, and around the fairways where it's just nice to, as a spectator, you can stand there and watch several different holes by standing in one spot, um, but also, too, you can kind of get up above the people in front of you, so a lot of uh, small hills to help with that. Um and I'm just, I'd be interested to see how hard they make it. Cause last, you know, it just, it, for the Quail Hollow or for the, the Wells Fargo, it's pretty hard to begin with. Um, it's not an easy golf course. And so can they make it harder? Um, and like you said, they're going to lengthen a, a lot of the holes. So it'll be interesting to see on that, you know, will they, uh, how hard, how hard they're going to make it. And then yes, will Kevin's delight be willing to fly us all down to North Carolina and get tickets to go. That's the other question. Because I'm curious. Because if he can, if he can make arrangements, my bag can be packed real quickly. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll, you don't have to fly me down. I'll just drive down. It's only a, like a six hour drive for me. There you go. There you go. All right, we'll get to the man of the hour, the guy that most people want to talk about, and he's actually we're talking about for once because he has made a very. I'm surprised by the amount of commitments he's already made early in the schedule for a guy coming off so many back injuries and. Everything else, I thought he'd kind of take it slow. But part of me thinks he really wants to ramp it up to try to make the President's Cup or some WGC or something. He wants to make something. Um, we're talking Tiger Woods. Yeah. And um, are you what, – what are your expectations this year? Do you think he, like, wins something? Do you think he competes? Do you – what do you kind of – what do you think Tiger has in the tank this year? Well, I mean, early on, what, what I'm going to be looking for – um, is, you know, can he actually make a cut? So he's played in the one golf tournament in the Bahamas, 18 guys, really no pressure. It's more like a vacation. Go out and just no pressure to make any cut. There's no pressure to do anything other than just, you know, whatever you can. Also, very easy golf course. These other golf courses are not going to be as easy. Um, and then, obviously, you've got the pressure of making a cut. So before I do anything, especially DFS-wise, I'm going to wait and see if he can make cuts. Um, and if, and it, you know, if he can make cuts, then we can start talking about can he contend again. Um, but it's a whole different ballgame. I mean, when you're talking about a PGA Tour cut, that's, you know, on a Friday, you need to make a birdie. You know, are those things that he can still do? I have no doubt that he still wants to compete at a high level. I just – I'm not well. I'm not 100% convinced that he can compete at the the high level needed to compete on the PGA Tour. Still, now I hope he proves me wrong. You know, all my buddies get on to me all the time because we grew up watching Tiger Woods. 
I like Tiger Woods just as much as the next guy, but whenever I'm talking about trying to make money, like it's when I have to take away my likes and dislikes and throws out the window because that's when I, that's how I can lose all kinds of money. If that's what I'm looking for, if that's why I'm watching golf, if that's what I'm doing is betting golf or whatever, you know, I have to, um, I have to, I have to bet with my head, not my heart. I love Tiger. I want him to win. I hope he wins every time out. But for me, it's going to be a more of a wait and wait and see approach at this point. Yeah, and I like to think most of the Tiger haters are kind of gone and pulling for him now because he's is great for golf. We already mentioned the Tiger effect and what that's already doing for golf. Um, you've seen him come back recently. He coached the Ryder Cup team. Um, you saw him in the Hero and the other times he's been around. The players love him. You hear them talk. They want him there. Um, there's really not that kind of, you know, anger that it seemed like was kind of there for a while between some people. It's like, he seems really wanted in the locker room now compared to what he was before. The question I have is basically, can he hold up? Because every time he tried to make, every time he tried to make these pushes, he'd always have a breakdown. Now, he is, he is making smart moves. He's playing courses that he dominated – then again, when Tiger was on, he dominated pretty much every course he played. <laughs> yeah. But so that might not be saying much. But um, I'm curious to see how he does. Uh, I agree. He's going to figure it out eventually, I think, as long as he stays healthy, because that guy was talented. I just hope he, uh, I hope he figures this out sooner than later. I'd like to see him back in the winner's circle. But um, yeah, me, me and you both. I, I want Tiger to win. I want him to be, but he's, he's it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where more than likely he's never going to be the old tiger. And that's what people want and expect. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but you know, I hope he, I hope he gets back in and competes on a Sunday for a masters. You know, that would be completely epic. I don't think it'll happen this year, but I hope it happens uh, before he, oh, he, he retires. To see that Sunday right at Augusta again would be pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. awesome. Be amazing. Be like, you know, Jack, when, when Jack won it, when he was 46 or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's possible. That's the great thing about golf is you can keep playing it as long as your body will let will let you. But that's the question, like you said with him, is will his body let him? Yeah, and it scares me because I even saw a tweet today that he's got the competitive joking with these guys, and I thought he'd give up a lot of the weightlifting because I thought the weightlifting was what did him in when he got so big and bulky yeah. and kind of messed with his swing and got him hurt. Well, he's, there's a tweet out that he – Text Rory Rory McIlroy every morning at four a.m. asking, "What are you doing? I'm lifting right now." <laughs> yeah, I saw that today. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I, the one thing I did notice at uh, down in the Bahamas was he's not trying to take a cut at it every time, like he's going to hit it four hundred yards. He is swinging at a more reasonable pace, which will save his back in the long run. So I hope he keeps it that way because. When he try, initially tried that comeback, I mean, it was stupid the cuts he was taking at the ball. Now, he used to be able to do that all day, every day when he was younger, but he's not younger anymore. He's old. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, he's much older. He's got the gray beard. We saw what uh, the Santa was, Santa, Santa Tiger was looking like there. Um, different Tiger Woods now. <laughs> all right, let's take a look at some other players. You've already mentioned a few of them. Let's break it down a little bit more. Some players you're looking out for this year, and one you mentioned, he's been on an absolute tear, like you mentioned, worldwide. I almost want to say he's turned into a worldwide phenomenon because the people in the U.S. are starting to really take notice of who he is, and they obviously know who he is on the east side of the world. Hideki Matsuyama, 
Um, yeah. He is a, he learned how to putt and that has been huge for that man. He's won yeah. six of his last eight events. Like you said, um, then two seconds, both the JT, your big question. And I've seen your prediction in a previous article. Will he win a major this year? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the big question. You know, it's uh, he doesn't, um, the people call him Hideki bot because he literally does go around like kind of like a robot. Um, and doesn't have the emotions that a lot of people do except for when he hits a marginally bad shot, then he acts like he, he shanked it. But other than that, he doesn't really get too pumped up or too down that I can tell. Maybe something totally different went on his head, but emotionally on the outside, it doesn't look like it. So I think this is a year that he will win a major. Um, I don't know which one it will be. Um, you know, it could be, could be any one of the four. Probably the PGA Championship would set up better than any of the four. But one way or the other, I, I like his chances at one of the majors this year. I think he'll win multiple times, probably on the PGA Tour at least, though, too. So um, it's it should be a fun year to watch him. I love his swing. You know, some people may not like it, but I, I love the pause at the top and then just just rip at it. He's got he's such a yeah. He's such a fluid player. Not fluid and like it's smooth the whole way, but it's fluid in that it stops and then it comes strong. Like he's just got his his motion. It's always the same. It's the fluidity of that's what I'm referring to. And he just he's just constant and calm, like you said. It's just not much phases the man. But right. I remember watching him at the hero and he he hits a shot, like you said, if he just tweaks it, he gets pissed. Yeah. And he was so mad, I think he missed he was like ten feet off the away from the hole. Yeah, he was, and he was furious at himself. And I'm sitting there going, "That's how you know you're dialed in is when you're mad at ten feet away." Oh yeah, that's just yeah. dialed in. And it's wasn't he the one that didn't the, didn't the, he beat Fowler? Didn't he beat Fowler in the playoffs yeah. at the the waste management last yeah. year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There, you know, with, with the, I think there's a Scratch TV or somebody has a uh, um has a video of him and all his shots with the commentary where he hits it. Like they're like, Oh God, that's awful. And then it lands 15 foot from the hole just cause they were judging by his reaction of him dropping the club. And then there it is. Um, but my buddy and I always every year, you know, where I live, we can't play golf year round. So we'll start in about March and then we're just happy to hit it in the middle of the green. But by the end of the summer, if we're not pin seeking, it's like get mad. And that's how he is all the time. Like if, you know, he's just always a pin seeker. If he's not hitting it right by the hole, he's pissed, which it'd be great to be that good at golf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of another guy, uh, Jordan Spieth, we already talked about, can he figure it out at the Masters again? 2015, he was basically a robot. He was dialed in. It was close to a, kind of a Tiger-esque run we'd seen in a while before kind of Jason Day made his little push and whatever. Spieth was unstoppable for a while there. Um, had a kind of rough 16, um, didn't get destroyed, but really wasn't the same guy. Um, do you think we get a, a return to 15 or just a better 16? I like his chances to be, a, a, to be closer to 15, um, this year. I think, you know, w- with all these guys, especially young guys, young guy like Spieth, there's all kinds of off the course distractions. And I hope he's learned to manage his time a little bit better. Um, and take golf more seriously because he really could be one of the greatest golfers of all time. Um, 
And, you know, I think things last year off the course happened, uh, probably things that we don't even know about, and it, it messes with your mental game. But I hope this year he bounces back. And I also hope that people don't think he's the same player and don't bet him and or fade, you know, and, and or play him on DraftKings because I think I'm going to play him just about in everything that he plays in. Yeah, that, that's kind of the consensus I've heard from a lot of the quote unquote experts. They're expecting big things from Spieth again. That they do think all, that there was something kind of goofy last year, and that he's going to right those wrongs and. Uh, get get that form back to uh and he and he showed it a little bit uh at the TOC. He looked uh looked better, looked a little more consistent there. Right. Yeah, he had some big numbers. Um but he made a lot of birdies and so those big numbers cost him, but you know, he you know if he can get rid of those then you know, he's probably got a little rusty. I don't think he has a, he hasn't played in a couple months, so we'll see on him. I'll I'll watch his chances though this year. I'll I'll be on him again when it comes Masters time. Oh yeah. Okay. DJ, DJ had a great year. He was one weekend away from pretty much winning FedEx player of the year type stuff. Till Rory came storming, um, got the first major, like I said, played amazing Has a smoke show of a wife living the dream. <laughs> um, can DJ keep it going or is he revert back to the guy that just makes us scratch our head come Sundays? Yeah, I mean that's the that is a huge huge question for me going into this year. I like DJ. I'm a fan of Dustin Johnson, but he's always had probably the worst mental game of any of the top you know ten golfers in the world. Um, last year he was able to get over that, um, but you know does it does he stay there? Does it you know does it come back as far as not being able to finish golf tournaments, fading away on Sundays, so on and so forth. I mean, he played all right this year or this past weekend. I thought that, see, you know, with my picks this past weekend for the the tournament champions, I was on Dustin Johnson because of how far he hits it, Hideki because how far he hits it, Justin Thomas because of how far he hits it, and Justin Thomas wins. And I really thought it was a DJ type of tournament. And for whatever reason, you know, I didn't follow it as close as I probably should have, but, you know, he just didn't make the birdies that I thought he would and, and the Eagles and so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, one tournament obviously doesn't make or break him, but can he compete again, you know, every single time out, uh, you know, whether he has a lead or not, can he stay interested in that kind of thing? Uh, he's, he's great for DFS purposes because he makes all the birdies and, and, and is, can make Eagles all day, every day. Um, but he's also paying them in the neck because who knows what's going to happen to him. Yeah. He'll, he'll make that cut looking great. And then he just implodes and you just, your whole, your whole weekend's down the drain. Um, Cause he, like you said, you root for him. He's a good guy. He seems like a good guy. All the talent in the world, fun as heck to watch. Yeah. yeah it was good. It was good to see him come over. Like I've watched him in person at, at Pebble beach I stood there on the tee box when he drives it, and it is a sight to see. It is amazing. Yeah, um, not many guys can can whip it around like that, and literally, like that ball has to be crying when it leaves the club face. Right. It like it is. It's violent, but it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's his it's playing, something. Playing is so awesome. I love watching it. I can study his and Jason Day swing all day long. Yep. Yeah, I still have uh, on my on my phone from the practice round last year. 
I was able to kind of stand in the front. I still have video of Jason Day taking a driver off the like third tee at Pebble. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. When he swings it, it's crazy to me. But you know, I think it looks so easy. Yeah, he does, and he doesn't. It doesn't look like he puts a whole lot of effort into it and just smashes it. But he's how tall is he? Like six six. Uh, DJ, oh, he's a monster. Yeah, yeah I've never seen. He's a big old. Yeah, he's he's got to be six five, six six, I'd imagine, because in the pro am he's playing with Gretzky. Gretzky's probably what six two or so, and he just he trumps over him. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm six I'm six foot, and he walks right past me, no problem. Okay. So yeah. All right, Smiley Kaufman, one of the young guns we've talked about, um, really young gun. Uh, he's one of those guys, a sleeper guy DFS wise last year that was always on the cheaper side of things and uh, got stuff done. Uh, this is the year he might be able to kind of break through. You're thinking, what are you looking at? I hope so. You know, last year he got injured, um, and whatever those guys did down in the Bahamas or wherever they went for the SB 2016, it really he was never the same after that because so he had a really really good early season. Um, he won and then went to the Masters and finished, I think, second if not top five at least. Um, even though he didn't play well on Sunday, but one way or the other, he was right there in the final group with Jordan on the last, you know, on, on Sunday. So, um, and then he got injured. He, he, he had a dealt with a wrist injury the, the, the whole entire year, just about, but can he come back? You know, he's, a, he's always an interesting guy to me because, um, he can go out and make and go really, really, really low and make all the birdies and, and, and Eagles that we're looking for, for DFS purposes, um, and he should be lower priced when he starts playing this year because of kind of the way that 2016 was for him. So I'll be interested and I'll be watching to see if he can regain, regain some of that form he had, you know, this time last year. And this last guy will target in this section is a, a guy I really, really enjoyed targeting last year. Fun to watch. Levy is a Spaniard. Um, He's Argentine. His name's Emmanuel. Argentinian, my bad. Yeah. But uh, he's basically one of the most eligible bachelors down there if you watch most of those shows. Uh, Mr. Grillo, it's Emanuelo Grillo. Sorry, I can't roll my L's. Uh, he's, he came out of nowhere towards middle to three-quarters of the way last year and then just went on a tear. And yeah. between the Euro Tour and part of the PGA, nearly unstoppable top ten finish-wise at least. Um, guy was a beast. Uh, I think he's going to have a huge year. Uh, I'll let you take it from there, though. I hope so. You know, if you read the the write-up I put up on the site every week, just about every week he's on it because he's always kind of mid-priced, but his stats are really were really, really, really good last year. And he kind of tailed off there at the end. And he's not like a household name that, like, everybody who's coming off of NFL just wanting to continue their – great streak into golf or whatever their reasoning is or chasing losses or whatever they're doing is going to know. They're not going to look at, Oh yeah, Emiliano Grillo. He, he competed really well last year. So he still could be that kind of sleeper material. Um, but his game is really, 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 really good. He's, uh, was in that same class, I think with Spieth and them PGA tour. And he did win early last year. He won, I think in the fall last year in the 15, 16 wraparound season, 
um, and competed at a high level several other times during the year. Wasn't able to get it done, but you know, can he can he jump over the the hump and compete um, at a high level at some of these bigger golf tournaments, majors? You know, is he going to be able to to be there on Sunday with a chance? Um, that'd be interesting for me to see. So I'll be watching him and Smiley very closely, uh, seeing what's going on with those guys if their if their game is where it should be. Okay, let's talk about um, – we saw some some new names last year. You had like Beef Johnson and some of those other guys. We've got a whole new slew of them coming in from either the web.com or some other tours. What are a couple of the, like, the rookies or out-of-nowhere guys you're kind of keeping an eye on coming into 17? Sure. Well, one guy's not really a rookie, and, and um, it was pretty popular last year. Is John Rom? You know, obviously, I think he'll have a really, really good year this year. Um, and and I, I, you know, I put on that write up that we had for the year-end deal or whatever in the 2017 predictions that he'll win twice this year. He's got the game that sets up well. He's not necessarily quote unquote a rookie because he did play a lot of tournaments last year. Um, but guys coming off the web.com who qualified or whatever, one guy I'll be watching closely, really, really closely is Wesley Bryan. He has a really, really good game where. He can go low. Um, and another guy, Grayson Murray and Trey Mullinax is another guy. They, these guys are always showing up on my models um, whenever I'm looking at, you know, different players or whatever. For some reason, you know, they're always typically up there in range where they're playable, but they're going to be in the 6K range. So um, they could come out of nowhere and pick up a victory at one of these you know, kind of less known golf tournaments where you don't have any speeds or DJs or days or, or whatever the case may be, you know, like a waste management. It's, that's a pretty big golf tournament, but there's not always the big names that are there. Um, and the guy like Kepka won it a couple of years ago. Hideki won it last year. So those are good places to kind of take some chances. Um, and so early on, you know, those are, those are kind of guys I'll be watching. Um, you know, a couple others. There's a guy named Xander. Uh, I'm guessing it's Chaflay. Chaflay. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. I'm just call him X. X always showing up on my stuff. And Bobby Wyatt. He's always um, a guy who I keep an eye on, and I play him a lot because he's always like sixty-two hundred dollars. He's from. I think he's from Alabama. He's been playing Euro Tour. Um, but if he can somehow qualify for the Masters, he'd be a guy that I would be probably willing to highly consider playing a lot of because he's not very well known, but he's one of those you know Southern guys like I was talking about before. So those are those are five. You know, there's going to be more that kind of come along here, but those are kind of the five that I've been looking at and have seen, and you know, we'll probably continue to see whenever I'm trying to do some picks. Yeah, Brian Murray and Mullinax, I remember you mentioning them uh, either towards the end of last year or beginning of this season, whatever it was. And I remember using Brian especially. And they, they've been cheap. They've come up big. Mm-hmm. They played well in those lesser tournaments. Um, definitely something to keep in mind when you're building your lineups, getting those young guns that can uh, put up some nice numbers. And a lot of those guys, they're just good cut makers. Right, right. Anything. Right, that's the Which, thing. Uh, when you're talking $6,200 range, yeah. if you make the cut – you know, that's all, that's all I need. You know what I mean? Like that's all that, it, yeah. and I'm not trying to get you to win the golf tournament. If you win, obviously that's a huge bonus, but just make exactly. it. 
All right. We talked majors. Now we pretty much play golf all year round and there's a ton of other good golf tournaments. Um, what are some of the other big tournaments that you like to, you look forward to on the tour uh, outside of the majors? Well, pretty much anything that is a week or two in front of a major, um, just because the anticipation is starting to build for that major. And so you're going to get guys who are also coming out to compete and try to get in form uh, for said major. Um, and then biggest ones every year. And I think it, it falls, I'm not sure when the Super Bowl is this year, but it's always right around the Super Bowl is the waste management down in Phoenix. That Super Bowl weekend right there. One of the greatest golf tournaments that's not a major and doesn't have really that big of a draw of guys. Um, you know, you don't have a day usually down there or a Rory, but it's just so much fun to watch because those people just get crunk. I don't even know, you know, it's, it's 16 is insane. So that, that's a big one for me. And then there's also uh the Zurich classic, which they play down in um, uh, New Orleans every year. And last year, I think it rained like 47,000 inches on them during the golf tournament. It was one of those ones that had the real bad weather. One way or the other, it's going to a team format this year, um, which I'm I'm a fan of. I think golf needs to be flexible as far as not everything is a stroke play tournament every single week, week in and week out. Um, so I'll be excited to see what's going on with that. And, and this is when – and it's kind of early. The Zurich is uh, – uh, it's, well, it's April 27th, so yeah, generally that's pretty early in the season. Now, I'll just be interested to see if DraftKings actually comes out with something so we can play that week. The Zurich and the Waste Management are the two I'm looking forward to most besides uh, every major and then obviously the, the tournaments leading up to the majors in the weeks before, a couple weeks before. Yeah, uh, the Waste Management is always a blast. That 16th hole is uh, just chaos. It's the only time you can go full Happy Gilmore in a golf tournament. <laughs> not getting trouble for it. It is right. just it's it's um, a, and it is super bowl, super bowl weekend. I'd love to be there at some point in my life. I don't I don't drink, but I just think the atmosphere would just be yeah completely completely it's nuts. Chaos. It's chaos. Right. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the Bay Hill this year. See how they they honor Arnie this year. Uh, first year after his passing. Curious to see what they do to honor him at that tournament. That'll be really cool. That'll be really cool to see that this year down um, at uh, at Bay Hill. That yeah. always a good tournament, anyways. I mean, it's year in and year out one of the best non-major tournaments there is. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious there, but you know, fans like you and myself, uh, we pretty much don't care what tournament it is. We're going to tune in, but uh, yeah. there are some that we like a little more than others. Um, okay, we've talked DFS kind of nonchalantly here. Let's focus a little more on it. So as we you know, ramp it up 2017. Last week was a no-cut event. Now it gets real. Now it gets, you know, there's a cut involved. We kind of got to get a little strategy involved. You got GPPs. You got cash games. Um, first things first, you kind of mentioned it earlier. You really want DK to expand their contests. They filled up fast this week. What are you looking for them to expand to? What, what would your ideal situation be? Um, you know, just anything – to a level where it's not getting filled up at seven o'clock on Wednesday night, um, whatever they think that is. I mean, it's that's going to change week in and week out. Uh, obviously, for the majors, um, it's going to that you know they're going to fill up faster. That's just that's just how they are. 
but they've, you know, will they, are they going to bring out a milli maker for every single major? You know, how much is it going to cost to get in the milli maker? Um, traditionally it's been 20, but I know they changed it obviously up with the, uh, NFL this year to 27 at some points. So just looking at those types of things, you know, obviously in the past two, the bigger money tournaments have, have been smaller at least at the end of last year. So like the $300 buy-in instead of being, you know, 350 people, they're knocking it down to 250 ish range. I just like to see every week, you know, a chance to win 20 grand at whatever level buy-in I'm trying to, you know, get in. I'm not asking for a million every week. I mean, that's ridiculous, but something where I can get some, some decent money by winning the golf tournament, you know, so. No, I can get behind that. That's for sure. Cause heck a few years ago, there wasn't much at all in the golf game. So it's slowly getting there. And uh, I, I think it'll get there as it uh, continues to expand, like you're saying. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, also too, in 2015, cause this will be my third year playing pretty much full time. Um, in 2015, I felt like the contests were bigger week in and week out. 2016, I felt like they backed it down. Now, 2015 was a different era, I guess, of DraftKings. So, you know, I guess they're looking out for the bottom line more. I don't know. But one way or the other, just just enough to to where I'm, I have to rethink it. You know, if, if it's $300 buy-in and I'm winning ten grand, i am not getting in on that. If it's a $33 buy-in and I'm winning $7,500, i am probably not getting in on that. So, like this week, they actually do have some decent contests. Excited about it. Cool, cool. All right, let's look at some of the strategy we're going to talk about here. Uh, first off, cash versus GPP. Um, what are you kind of looking at in, when it comes to golf, cash versus GPP? So, you know, tr- obviously the, the main goal uh, up until, you know, for, for whenever I'm looking to construct a team, the first thing I'm thinking of because it's vitally important. Is this is this guy going to make the cut? Obviously, can't predict it. But one guy who I feel like is more likely to miss the cut than make the cut due to X, Y, and Z, then I'm obviously going to pick the other guy. So picking cut makers has to be your first priority, in my opinion. Obviously, we want guys who can compete and win and so on and so forth. And it's gotten to the point in, in DFS golf where – even for cash teams, you have to almost have a winner or somebody in the top five in order to even cash. I don't know that it'll still be there this year. 2016 was a hard year for that, but you can go through and identify players who are more likely to be, to make the cut um, and give you a better chance to cash in whatever you're in, whether it's a cash you know, game or a GPP. Now, obviously in GPPs, I'm looking to take more flyers. Um, you know, guys who I think are going to go under the radar or maybe have bad course history um, maybe a guy who, you know, had been playing well and last week missed the cut. You know, guys who missed the cut week before are typically lower owned the next week, so those are good GPP plays. But if a guy's missed the cut the week before, I'm gonna I'm gonna think about it twice before I put him on a cash team. Very good. So yeah, it's kind of like it is in the other sports: cash a little safer, GPP a little more gamble. But like right. you said, in golf, it's even crazier because you're never going to be able to predict a cut. Like that's just craziness. Well, it's, but, it's, um, yeah. it's way more difficult to predict golf than it is any other sport because you can sit down and say, well, you know what Russell Westbrook tonight is going to get. 
you know, probably dang near triple double. Yep. Well, I can't sit here and say that 100% for sure Jordan Spieth is going to make the cut this weekend because who knows what could happen. You know, I mean, a big gust of wind can blow up, blow his ball out of bounds, and he just goes plumb off the deep end for three or four holes and misses the cut by a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know. Is that going to happen? Probably not. But one way or the other, those are the types of things that can happen in golf. So it's just a totally different ball game than the rest of the easier, quote unquote, easier to predict sports. Okay. So um, for people that play multiple lineups like yourself, how do you hedge your cash and GPP lineups? Yeah. So, I mean, typically what I do is I, I sit down on, I usually do this Wednesday morning, I'll grab a cash game lineup that I'm 100% good with, or at least 75% good with, because 100% is probably never there. But one or the other, the best cash lines I can possibly make, and I'll plug it in all kinds of contests. And then what I'm also trying to do is plug, don't forget to plug that lineup into a GPP, because I've, I don't know how many times I've had just a cash only lineup that I didn't put in GPP, and it was the best lineup I had all week. Yep. So always plug it in a GPP. I don't care if it's $3. That way you're not maxed at whatever you're. 50-50s are. And then I'll sit down and make a bunch of different GPP lineups and just kind of plug them. Now, I usually keep a core. You know, I'm going to go with the guy that I think is going to win. Um, so if, you know, just for instance, this week, if it's Hideki, I think is going to win, I'm going to put him on just about every single team. And then I'll throw in a team that is just off the wall. You know, I may have seen something on Twitter where somebody was like, yeah, um, you know, this is the reason I like this guy. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I could maybe get behind that, even though I wasn't thinking about that guy to begin with. And I'll put him on a team and throw it in. So I'm usually playing five or six GPP lineups and then one max two cash team lineups. But I'm trying to equal it out to where I have, just like with every other sport, where I'm pretty much, worst case scenario, I'm just trying to break even if my GPP teams are terrible or if my cash team is terrible. But there's obviously weeks where it all just goes wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? that'll, so that'll happen. That'll definitely happen in gambling in fantasy. It'll happen where the entire thing goes wrong. But right. uh, I mean, yeah, it's easier for me to make a cash a cash team in this deal just in golf because I'm pretty much trying to do it a lot more and I have more interest in it than a lot of the other sports out there. So it's easier for me in my mind. Now it may not be for other people, but you know, always happy to help out and do whatever I can if you want to send me a message or tweet me or whatever. Yeah. I'm telling you guys, uh, this isn't just a shameless plug for the website, but read his article because you could almost just use the guys he puts in there. And I'm not even joking. I'd say at least 75% of the time, probably more in a cash lineup, you're going to make money just with those names alone. Right. It's probably more, it's probably more often than that. So I, I- I try to identify about six or seven guys that I think are cash plays every between, you know, 15 to maybe max 18 players every week. And I'll try to throw in, you know, and I historically when it, which was at the DM DeLuca last year's when I started. So I think it was just right after the masters okay, um, so, you know, yeah. hitting 72% on the cuts made and then had a winner in the picks, you know, 40% of the time. So including, Justin Thomas this past week, which was one of my seven seven guys I was on. So, um, you know, it's in in 
in, in these in these cut tournaments, it's way better to play cash um, than in the non-cut tournaments, which, you know, I try to throw in those little kind of nuggets that I've learned along the way. I learned it the hard way, you know. Don't play too awful much in a no-cut event because it's completely insane. Like, I hit Justin Thomas on my lineup, but, like, in the junkies, I finished, like, 42nd because I had Vegas and Grace. So, yep. there you go. You know, it's not guaranteed anything. Yeah, no, uh, you basically on these no-cut events, you have to have almost all top 10 or better to pretty yeah. much do anything. Right. It's annoying. I I can't deal with it. That's why I I typically stay away. I'll dip my toes in, but I'm not going full force at all whatsoever. I'm not playing any cash games. Yeah, no cash games at all. That's just suicide, lighting money on fire, in my opinion. But um, lastly, on the DFS note, we talked about it on the Ryder Cup and some other pause. Uh, The Euro PGA, uh, it's been working out pretty well. You're You're still getting your feel for it. Uh, what are you noticing over there as you keep tinkering around with that? Uh, I love playing it um, m- mainly because it's quite often on like early in the morning on Sundays. And so it'll free up money come Sunday afternoon if you got something going on, maybe NBA or something Sunday afternoon. But one way or the other, it's uh, it's just fun because it's kind of like the wild, wild west of, of golf DFS was, you know, in its early days two years ago. There's not a whole heck of a lot of content. They don't have a whole lot of stats out there to begin with for the European uh, PGA Tour. So it's harder to predict um, in that sense, but it's really fun to learn some of these guys, watch just like with the the American PGA, you know, the guys coming up who are playing well, and it helps with the bigger events that – Back and say, oh yeah, I remember that. I, you know, I, I I played that guy, and you can have some confidence in playing him in a, a U.S. Open or a you know Open Championship or whatever. Um, so it can kind of give you a little bit of leg up. But I also like the cash games over there. I think it's you don't have to have a winner if you get five out of six. You're pretty you're pretty well through cashing. So sometimes four out of six. Um, it's just uh, it's been a lot of fun for me to play Euro know, this year or this past year, and I'm going to keep playing it this year and probably. You know, try to get some picks out when I can, but we'll see on that too. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. Whenever he does get his picks out, I usually tell because they're pretty pretty darn solid like normal. Um, I've had fun with it. Uh, it reminds me of the kind of startup of the PGA DFS for four out of six. Usually cashes a, a cash game. Five out of six are guaranteed to cash a cash game. Right. Now, P, now PGA is getting so big – Five out of six doesn't even cash every time like it used to. Right. Right. It's great the level that it's gone to, which I love. I love that PGA's gotten to that level because and it's not just guys like you and myself and a few others that talk PGA anymore. It's it's out there. When there's a good tournament on Twitter is actually there's PGA Twitter now, which is great. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but, it's growing. It's growing leaps and bounds. And these you know, if you're new to it and you're like, well, I don't know. Just play it because you get a, you get a good cut sweat one one week and you'll be hooked. You you know you you get some guys who are making a run on Sunday and you'll get hooked. And that's what that's what it did to me two years ago. I had Kepka just went low one Sunday, won five grand off that, and it's been pretty much just over for me since then. That was the biggest thing for me was uh, two years ago. 
I want to say it was the it was the what was the uh, one that day the day one the majors the U.S. Open or finished near the top or was it the PGA PGA PGA, PGA that was, so, yeah that was twenty twenty fifteen yeah I was. Yeah, I was in the Millie Maker in the PGA. I had day and a couple. I had like three guys in the top five. I think I won like fourteen hundred in it or something. Did you really? Nothing, so nothing huge, but it was nice. Well, twenty dollars. Yeah, that's like twenty bucks. <laughs> got like fourteen hundred back, and I was just jacked. I was like, okay, yeah. we're we're playing golf. We're in. <laughs> that was a weird deal. Not, not many people were on day for some reason that week because I had him too, and I we I think I won like five grand that weekend. Yeah, that was that was that was a good weekend. Yeah, no, and I, like I said, I already loved golf, but that that got oh. me hooked on it because I was kind of hooked on it. If if you're if you're if you're uh you know if you're debating it or whatever, you know just 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 try it out. I'm telling you, it's it makes golf so much more enjoyable on Sunday, especially midsummer when there's nothing else going on at this yeah. point in the season. Obviously, you've got football still and stuff like that, but one way or the other, it, it's it's just it's a great time. I think I think I like PGA more than any other sport. And I watch football all day, every day on Sundays. Like I don't do anything else. So I like it. I love uh, golf. And, folks, he's a member of Big Blue Nation, and he's telling you he loves PGA more than anything. So just (laughs) just remember that. Just remember that. That's true. Uh, All right. Well, we got one question we have to get to, a really important one that, you know, was so complicated I almost had to – I didn't know if I wanted to WikiLeak it or Google or ask Jeeves because I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. But um, in golf, do you want to have the higher score or the lower score? It's from This is from at Virginia Wino. If you guys don't know him, he's one of the smartest asses on Twitter. <laughs> um, you can find him at Virginia Wino. Uh, I'll let you have the floor on this one. Highest score uh-huh. or lowest score? This one. So I woke up this morning and I saw this, and uh, it threw me for a loop um, because – you know, I really, I really didn't know at the time. So I looked it up. I did look it up. And for DFS purposes, um, for you, sir, Virginia Wino, you're, you want the guys who have the lower scores. So guys who miss cuts and that kind of thing, that's, that's what you want to roster. So I figured it out. That's, that's the answer. So just make sure you go ahead and do that. But um, real quick, isn't there a couple events where they get plus points? Uh, that, yeah, that's stable for third score scoring, but it, it yeah, yeah, because for those I don't, that don't, we, I don't think I don't think PJ Tour has that. Okay, I, yeah, have, I just wanted to double check. They play it on yeah, like the web.com one time, and then they also play it on like those celebrity golf tournaments. They'll play stable third scoring. Okay, I just wanted to make sure in case Mr. Wino decided to come back with a retort and um, have any more questions <laughs> for us. But if you, if you need us, I know you can find us uh, at BDN Trick, and you can find Jesse at DFS Golf Gods with any more questions on that. Be glad to answer them for you. Yeah, man. But uh, yeah, that'll about wrap us up. Uh, you got anything else you wanted to to talk about PGA wise? Anything? Football, basketball, anything? Talk about it. No, uh, just uh, I, I think Bama's going to roll tonight. So everybody's going to be listening to this tomorrow, so by this time, Bama will have already rolled, and then um, you know. I apologize in advance for every single team that Kentucky stomps on in this year. Yeah, I got to let you have it because they do a year in, year out, man. They look really good right now. Really, really good. <laughs> like, really good. It's ridiculous. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this year. Young bunch, but we'll see. Yeah, they, 
Yeah, that's the biggest thing. They're young. You never know. But um, like he, like we said earlier, if you have any questions, if you're new to the game, if you're not new to the game, if you got DFS golf questions, hit him up at DFS Golf Gods. Uh, when he's available, he will answer. He's uh, very knowledgeable, and he'll get you the info. Uh, if you want, hit up at the Sports DGens. Hit up at Kevin's Delight. He'll help you out as well. A lot of good golf knowledge on the site. Uh, good stuff coming around. Uh, again, thanks for be, uh, hopping on, Jesse. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 15. We will catch you guys next time.